Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. I'm in the book of 1 Corinthians. I'd like to invite you to join me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, 1 Corinthians is right before 2 Corinthians. <laughs> if you need any help with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 and following. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 and following. Uh, Paul writes this for us. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. To those not having the law, uh, I became like one having the law, so I'm not free from God's uh, law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes to, into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. He doesn't mean literally. I beat my body, I train my body, and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. Uh, December 13th, 1970, uh, I walked the aisle of a church at the end of a service during an invitation, and the pastor had preached on heaven and hell and had given us an option to choose. I chose wisely. I walked down and told him I certainly didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. And he sat down and shared the gospel with me, the good news, and what it means to trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so I did at the age of 14. Shortly after that, we moved across town, and started. I started attending another church. Uh, the neighbors down the street, two doors down, were in a very active church with a lot of teenagers. <clears throat> and I immediately fell in love with, with the youth group and was invited in, accepted in. There were 100 teenagers and we were challenged to pick a life verse, a life verse. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time, but it was explained to us. Pick a verse and let that verse be who you are the rest of your life. And so I, I chose 1 Corinthians 9.22. And, of course, today is what? September 22nd. So it's 9.22 today, right? Y'all get that? Today's my day. This was my Bible growing up as a teenager. I got this Bible in 71, about a year after I was born again, and it's uh, called The Way. It's got some really cool pictures of us baby boomers throughout it, right? Anybody else have a copy of this when you were a teenager? Had one? You did? Did you? This is the first time you're seeing this, the rest of you did, right? It's really, it's really cool. I'll let you thumb through it afterwards if you want to see. We had pictures in here, not pictures of Jesus and camels and stuff like that, but, but pictures of people. 
pictures like this, right? Got knives for sale. There's a, I think you got a picture of football players for all of you who enjoyed your game yesterday. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I, I, I love dung. But uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the, the one Notre Dame fan that we have in the room. There's also a also a business card in here or I may have taken it out now it's a business card I had when I was a teenager there were three of us that hung around together four of us occasionally and we formed the Baptist Crusaders for Christ Evangelistic Association Incorporated we had a lawyer and everything and we bought we bought one of those buses maybe you remember seeing those buses that uh, they, uh, they're short buses but they have a kitchen in you know, you can have a kitchen in it. Have you seen one of those? It's like a school bus, just shorter. And so we bought one of those that had a little kitchenette in it, and we, we strung hammocks across it. And, man, we traveled all over the southeast preaching Jesus, right? And uh, we had somebody bought us a whole new set of tires, and we burned up the road. Matter of fact, one of our trips was to um, Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, to preach in a church. That's, that was about as far as we went, I think. No, we went to Danville, Virginia. That was uh, maybe even further than that. I was the minister of music with the traveling evangelistic team. And I was also the trainer in evangelism. So we would have teenagers meet in the afternoon, and we would teach them how to share their testimony. How to share their testimony. Three-point testimony, four-point testimony. My life before Christ, how I realized I needed Christ, how I gave my life to Christ, and then my life after, right, after receiving Jesus Christ. And so I would teach them, and we would go out sharing the gospel door-to-door, we would take a bus and go to a subdivision, and we would just two by two go door to door, knock on doors, and say, "Can I share with you the most meaningful thing that's ever happened to me?" That was our opening line. Teenagers stand there, and back in the day, you could do that and not get shot, right? And so we would share Jesus with people, and people would stand right in their doorways, right on their porch, back when we had porches, and they would invite Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Um, and this verse is the verse I chose, and I've got it underlined, as you can see, in my 1971 Bible. And this is how it reads in this version. It says, when I am with those whose conscience bothers them easily, I don't act as though I know it all and don't say they are foolish. In other words, when you're talking to somebody that doesn't have a framework for Jesus, doesn't have a framework for the gospel, doesn't have a framework even for religion, and you realize you're talking to somebody that's unlearned about the gospel. Paul is saying, I don't look down on them. I try to get to where they are. I try to find some common ground with them so I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. He said, the result is they're willing to let me help them. Oh, wow. What a novel concept. Get down to where people are. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. I made all things to all men that I might by all means win some. 
I've tried to live that for, well, be pretty soon 50 years coming up on sharing the gospel with, with people. This week I was, I just go looking to share the gospel. I go in stores because that's where people live and work and breathe and, and do their thing. And I was at a store this week and was at the cashier. And this cashier was talking to the cashier right across the way. She had just gotten a text. She was holding up her phone. She said, I just got a text. And there are people standing in line. She just, she lost it. She lost her, what she was supposed to be doing. She's supposed to be checking stuff out, right? Bringing it up. But the text disturbed her because she had just gotten a text. Her granddaughter, who had been born on 9-11, they tested her blood, and she had extremely high blood sugar. And they were worried she might be type 1 uh, diabetic. And that's what this lady was telling this lady. She looked at the lady. The lady over there is sitting in a wheelchair at the cashier, right? And she looked at the lady. She said, just please pray. And she called the little girl's name out, Emmy Grace. Please pray for Emmy Grace. And the lady's nodding her head while she's checking somebody else out. And, and the cashier turned around and looked at the young man and said, could you finish ringing him up? He said, sure. So he came over and finished ringing me up. She went outside because she wanted to call as any grandmother would, right? And so she's on the phone. I can see her outside. I'm thinking, all right, Holy Spirit, this is my chance. Give me an opportunity here. And sure enough, she talked long enough for me to get checked out. I walked out the door, and she hung up the phone. She turned around, and I was right in front of her. I said, please tell me who to pray for. I heard you just say you needed prayer, and some child needed prayer. Tell me who to pray for. She was just stunned. She, she told me the story. I said, I want to pray with you right now. And I stood right there, eyes wide open, and prayed with this lady for her granddaughter. It was like that all week. Wherever I went, I kept running into people who needed prayer. Thank you, Jesus, right? I made all things to all men, that I might by all means win some. You know, we sang this song. It said, there's nothing stronger, nothing higher, Nothing greater than the name of Jesus. And so my question is, why don't we share him more often? Do you think if we, in this room, were sharing him more often, the world would be a better place? Do you think we, the church in America, if we were sharing Jesus more often, would be a better place? The church has become a place where we talk about church and about how wonderful our preacher is. And about how big our band is or how awesome our buildings are. We're building $100 million complexes. And we put somebody else's name on the outside of it. You notice that? Have you noticed that? We buy pews and put them in churches. And on the end, we have placards of other person's names who bought the pew. Right? Don't sit in my pew. I will cut you. Debbie and I visited a church in, I think it was Georgetown, South Carolina. We were on vacation. We popped in to go to church, and we sat down in third or fourth row back, as we normally would. This woman came up and said, you're in my chair. You're in my seat. Move. <laughs> we slid on over. Let Jezebel have her chair, right? You know, this uh, big church in Dallas decided their sanctuary wasn't pretty enough. 
and their foyer wasn't grand enough, so they built $100 million, took up $100 million to redo their sanctuary and their foyer and added a few more rooms to all this. $100 million. And they'll put the person who gave the most money's name on it instead of the name of Jesus. What have we, what have we come to as a church? If there's, no, if there's nothing higher, nothing greater, nothing stronger than the name of Jesus, what do we... What are we doing? Are we just playing games? If we're not sharing the name of Jesus, we're just playing games. We could build the nicest building and have the fanciest carpet and all that. But if we're not sharing Jesus, we're not doing the main thing. The main thing is sharing Jesus. Philemon, in the book of Philemon, Paul was writing to his friend. And he wrote this in verse 6. He said, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that you have in Christ. I'm going to read that again in Swahili. <laughs> Just for Malanda. I pray that you may be active in... Now, you know, if the Holy Spirit came over me and I started speaking Swahili, what would you do? That would be awesome, That'd be awesome wouldn't it? Come Holy Spirit, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that you have in Christ. So the implication from this scripture and the one I just read is that we can't fully know Christ until we're sharing Christ. You cannot fully know everything about Christ that there is to know in this life until you're sharing everything you know about Christ in this life. And if you're not reading and studying about Christ in this life, you're not going to know everything you need to know about Christ. And if you're not sharing about Christ, you're not going to know fully who Christ is for you and for this world. You think we've missed it somewhere? I know I've told you the story. I know I've told you probably a half a dozen times, but it's just a powerful story of eating with a pastor at Buffalo Wild Wings a couple of years ago. And the waitress came and sat down and took our order, which is unusual for a waitress to sit down and take your order. But she took it. When she finished, I looked at her, and I called her by her name. Her name was on her tag. And I said, we're going to have a prayer and bless this food and thank God that we have something to eat. Is there anything we can pray for you about, anything at all? She slammed the pad back down on the table. She said, what is it about this table? Everybody that sits here wants to tell me about Jesus. It is. I said, well, what do you know about Jesus? She said, well, he had long, pretty hair, and he went around doing good, and some people caught him and beat the something out of him. She used the word, and then they killed him. She said, but I don't know why they killed him. Why would they kill somebody like that? This is in America, right? This is right up the road in Mount Juliet when this happened, when this took place. This is the buckle of the Bible belt. I said, have you ever been to a church to hear about Jesus? She said, well, I went to one where you sit down, kneel, and sit down, and kneel, and sit down, and kneel. She said, but I didn't hear anything about Jesus. She said, then I went to another church where they did this. She went on and started elaborating. She said, but I don't know about Jesus. I said, would you like me to tell you why they killed him? She said, I would like to know. I said, it was for your sins. Then I explained the gospel to her. There are people right next door to you that don't know about Jesus. 
We think everybody knows about Jesus. They don't anymore. Maybe 50 years ago they did, but they don't anymore. Everything's changed. The world has changed. You've seen it change. You're old enough to have seen it change. But if we really believe that there's nothing stronger, greater, or higher than the name of Jesus, then we ought to be sharing it. We ought to be sharing it so we can find out more about Jesus. Here's what I discovered. In the middle of sharing that testimony with the lady at the table at Buffalo Wild Wings, I learned more about Jesus. I think, well, Jim, you're a preacher. You've been doing this almost 50 years now as a follower of Christ. You ought to know everything about Jesus, but I don't. When I start sharing Jesus with somebody, the Holy Spirit comes on me and tells me some things to say to that person that I never thought in my wildest imagination I would say to that person. The Holy Spirit just reveals it. He just drops it in on us. And you walk away thinking, man, I I had no idea about Jesus. Jesus loves doing that. He loves showing up when you are talking about him. Here's the thing. When you're talking about Jesus, watch this now. When you're talking about Jesus, he gets a little closer. What are you going to say about me? He gets right up in your grill and says, what are you going to say about me? Because he wants, he wants to hear what you're going to say about him. You know why? That's an act of worship, right? When you're talking about Jesus, that's an act of worship. He wants to hear what we're saying. On the guys walking on the road to Emmaus, remember the story, right? They're walking along. They're telling the story. They're talking about the events of the day. Jesus died, rose again. They couldn't find his body, blah, blah. Uh, on Resurrection Day, where, where'd he go, where'd he go? And they're talking and telling the story. And Jesus kind of walks up and just starts walking along with them, which is not unusual back in the day for people to walk up and walk along together as on the dusty road. And he's just listening. What y'all talking about? And they looked at him and said, oh, are you just a stranger? You hadn't heard what happened, the events of the last three or four days? Said, what y'all talking about? Jesus knew what happened. He was there, right? But he had disguised himself. They didn't recognize him. He's just listening. He's listening. And when they invite him to eat, he explains the whole thing to them. And then he takes some bread and eats it, and then their eyes are open. They realize it's Jesus. Nothing has changed. When you're standing at a store and you're talking to a cashier Jesus about Jesus, he walks up there and says, what y'all talking about? What y'all talking about? He wants us to recognize him, but he also wants to listen in on our conversation. I just love that about Jesus. He likes hanging out with me when I'm talking about him. There's nothing greater, nothing higher, nothing stronger than the name of Jesus. So here's three points. First, we all share the things that we know about. You can't share something you don't know about. We all share things that we know about. Now, I like studying quantum mechanics, quantum theory, string theory. I like studying that stuff. Anybody here like studying quantum physics? Anybody? Well, I'm going to share something with you, and you're all going to go out and say, I've got to read a book. But quantum theory is all about getting down to the smallest part. You know, when we would come along to school, there were atoms, right? And then they discovered inside an atom there was a proton, a what? Neutron and electron, right? Well, now they discovered that there are other things some of those things are called quarks. Quarks. Q-U-A-R-K. Quarks. Right? They're called quarks. And you know, they have names. There's the up quark. There's the down quark. 
There's the beauty cork, right? There's the charm cork. There's the truth cork. And there's the strange cork. These things are named. Is that not cool? God created all those corks. And we've discovered them, right? With a real good microscope. No, we haven't actually seen them. It's all theory. That's why it's called string theory. But I can talk about that because I've read books on that. If you've not read books on that, you can't talk about that. You read books on things that I have no idea what you're talking about, right? We share the things that we know about. You can't share if you don't know. You can't share Jesus if you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. You must invite him into your heart and say, be my Lord and Savior. I want to start this journey with you. If you haven't done that, you need to do that today. When we close, come see me. I'll talk to you about that. But you can't talk about what you don't know about. That's the first thing. We must learn about Jesus. We must study Jesus. And you've studied Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Kind of narrow down. You can find him everywhere in the Bible, but if you really want to concentrate, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as I told you a few weeks ago, in all the record, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we have about Jesus, we only have a record of about 30 days of his life. And not even full days, but 30 days of his life. That's all we've got in recorded here. But Jesus can reveal so much more about himself to you if you'll just ask. Secondly, we share what we care about, what we're excited about. We share what we care about and what we're excited about. And my first grandchild was born. I called everybody I knew. I was, I was texting pictures to folks. Here he is. Matter of fact, we had, we had postage stamps made up with his little face on there. Right? Little baby face on there. I sent one letter off with his little baby face on there. I couldn't bring myself to spend the rest of those stamps. <laughs> I've still got 19 stamps, right? On a little, on a little tray, you know, piece of paper there. Because I just could, I can't send that out in the mail. Somebody's going to throw it away. Right? But I talked about him all the time. And then with my granddaughter and my other grandsons, it's like, I'm excited about talking about him. I ran into the two little guys and Daniel yesterday at Publix. They'd been sick for a week. And so they were getting out and about. And they walked over to where the toys are. You got the cars. And you got the Barbie dolls, right? And so Ezra walks over and immediately picks up the cars and starts talking about the cars. Ezekiel walks over and picks up the Barbie doll. <laughs> I looked at Daniel. I said, I said, you might need to have a talk with him. <laughs> Daniel said, put that back, boy. <laughs> Love it. We talk about what we care about. There's a lot of people talking about football games yesterday. There'll be a lot of people, excuse me, American football. There are a lot of people talking about American football yesterday and today. There'll be people talking about real football all week long. Soccer, we call it here, real football. In the morning, there'll be a lot of teachers at school talking about students. If I have to listen to him one more time. <laughs> or talking about their principal. He is the craziest man. Why can't, can't we get him fired? 
I mean, the conversations will be, you'll be talking about what you care about tomorrow. We ought to care about people going to hell and tell them about Jesus. We ought to be really ready and willing to pray in the name of Jesus out loud with our eyes wide open, looking at somebody who says, I need prayer. At the drop of a pen, at the drop of a hat, we should be ready. The third thing is, is that we should share because we must share. I want you to know somebody's life depends on whether or not you share the gospel with them. Somebody's life depends on whether you share the gospel with them or not. There, there are lost people everywhere, and if you don't share the gospel with them, there's a chance that they will die and go to hell because you didn't share. That's just the harsh reality. We share Jesus because we must. Yes, he's stronger. Yes, he's greater. There's nothing higher than his name. We share because we must. It's a life and death situation. You know, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I don't know what kind of uh, conversation we'll have with Jesus when we get there. But I, I don't want to ever have one, and I don't know that we will. But in my mind, I don't want to have one that says, Jim, why didn't you tell your sisters about Jesus? Why didn't you tell your mom and daddy about Jesus? Why didn't you tell your neighbor about Jesus? I, I, I don't want to have that conversation. And I hope to goodness it doesn't happen that way. I'm just saying me, Jim, personally, I, I don't want to have that conversation. If there's nothing stronger, greater, or higher, then why don't we share? Why don't we share? There's absolutely nothing a person can do to you when you're sharing Jesus Christ with them that will stop you from meeting Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can share Jesus with them, and if they stab you in the heart, you're still going to be with Jesus. Right? And chances are in America that's not going to happen. In Iran, chances are 99% you start sharing Jesus with somebody else, they're going to cut you. Read the stories. Read the martyrs. Daily, Christians are martyred all around the world for sharing Jesus Christ. They're mutilated. Read the stories. They're, they're mutilated right in front of everybody for sharing the name of Jesus. I made all things to all men that I might by all means win some. The bottom line is if you don't know Jesus, you won't share Jesus. If you know Jesus, you'll want to share Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you for bringing him back to life again so that he can live inside of me. God, forgive your church for being quiet about Jesus. Forgive your church for being shy about sharing Jesus. Forgive your church for 
focusing on church and not Jesus. Forgive your church for focusing on the world instead of focusing on Jesus. Forgive us, God, for spending all of our time talking about things that don't matter. Sports, entertainment, and all these things, Father, that take up our lives when the only thing that matters is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. What a beautiful name, Jesus. There's no greater name given unto heaven whereby men must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. There's nothing stronger, there's nothing higher, there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus. Father, forgive us for not sharing about your Son and our Savior. Holy Spirit, come make us bold. Make this church, this congregation here, make us bold today. Come, Holy Spirit, strip away our fear of talking about you in front of people. Change the way we see people. As Paul said, I no longer see people that way, but I see them as people who need Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and take our fear away. Put words in our mouth that we never thought we would speak about the name of Jesus in the morning at school to that child, or to that educator, or that administrator. Wherever we may find ourselves tomorrow, let us not be afraid to whisper the name of Jesus in a prayer or say the name of Jesus over someone that's sick and hurting. Father, I pray right now for those who might be injured because of that ambulance. Pray that you would protect them, heal them, keep them and others from harm. In the name of Jesus. Because there is nothing stronger. There is nothing higher. There is nothing greater. There is nothing more powerful, nothing more formidable than the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.